This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your start for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Monica. Are you ready to talk about After Earth? Yes. Are you ready to talk about how it's M. Night Shyamalossum? No. Inappropriate. <laughs> I was proud of that one. Oh, were you saving that in your back pocket just for me? Yes. Awesome. Yes. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is part two of episode number 52 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie After Earth. If you're looking for part one, you are listening to the wrong file. Go away. If this is your first time listening to the show, basically this is the program on Film Geek Radio devoted to in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part is a general spoiler-free discussion, and the second part, which you're listening to right now, is the more in-depth analysis of the film, complete with spoilers, and it's designed to be listened to after you've heard part one. Again, this is part two, so if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening now and go check out part one of our episode on After Earth. Uh, I'm not going to go over what the plot of the film is. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you've already seen it, or you just don't care enough about it, (laughs) and you just want to hear what we have to say about it. That's fine, too. (laughs) Here is a clip. We're tracking a life form moving toward you from the west. It's closing rapidly. 50 meters. 40. 30. 20. 10. It is right there, Katara. your power this will be your creation stand down cadet all right monica we discovered in part one that i actually like this movie a lot more than you did i think you're just trolling me now you're just gonna be my podcasting armand white I don't know what to tell you, Monica. I was not expecting to like the film. The first 20 minutes are awful, and I was just sitting there thinking, I can't believe I have another 70 or 80 minutes of this to sit through, and somehow it won me over. But you mentioned in part one that there were some serious issues with the plot or with the world that with that all of it that you had problems with. So let's talk about that. Well, let's 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 first talk about cinematography, which I also I kind of started mentioning um in the first one where there's cutaway shots that would either take you out of the moment or shots especially in the beginning that had no reason to exist. So Oh, I I I'm with you there in terms of the beginning. And then there were moments where he used it looked like photos. Nothing was moving on the screen. He just put up a still up on the big screen. And I think that also happened once more or so in a flashback, where it's just still. 
it's so bland. It is. It's so like he'll be shooting dialogue, and there won't be any variety to the scene at all. It'll just be like your standard two shot back and forth, and yeah. he won't even he won't even give you like much of a wide shot to show characters entering the room <laughs> before they talk to people. It, it's very strange. Entering and exiting rooms seem to be an issue. Just very standard. Like, if he's going to walk off from this side of the screen, he should logically walk back in somehow in that space. <laughs> so it, it sounds like you're saying that there was an editing problem here. There's a lot of editing problems. Okay. Even though, for what, this movie was only, what, 90 minutes exactly? 94 or, so, or something? Four, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty short film, but it still felt... Like, wow, that's a lot. But then I also found it weird, like, the moments of time when he's running through the jungle, all of a sudden, some portions take days, and then other moments take, ah, 20 minutes, like, 10 minutes to walk through. Well, g- give me an example. Um, It seemed like he didn't get very far on the first day. He only got, mm, what was it, like a mile or two, and it's like 100 kilometers he had to cross. Oh, and when they showed the map of the waterfall, it said something like three days to go down <laughs> the waterfall. Right. Oh, and each of those breathing capsules were supposed to be 20 to 24 hours. So he went through quite a bit and like not a lot of time. I guess I just didn't feel the length of time properly. So it just seemed to cut to every time he had to take it a piece of the inhaler. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a little bit confused about that. As well, because, okay, so he's got to go 100 kilometers, he's got six capsules starting out, and at first I was thinking that those six capsules, I I, I didn't realize that there would be another thing of capsules in the tail, yeah. so I was thinking, oh, he's got to go there and back yeah. in six capsules, and I was like, three capsules each way. I don't think he can go 100 kilometers in three days. Oh, and quick, I just did the conversion. 100 kilometers is 62 miles. 62.13 miles. I was like, uh, maybe? But that's that's pushing it to go to walk. Yeah, and, and through like hiking, it's not like paved roads or anything. Right, right. And then when I realized, oh, he just has to make it to the tail. Okay, yeah. that, that was a little bit easier for me to to wrap my head around Mm -hmm. so i don't know the passage of time i agree with you there are certain days that they spend longer time amounts of time on but that didn't really bother me very much no no i I was just sort of able to go with it from moment to moment well i guess we could switch over now to more of the plot where the planet freezes every night and he has to find these low-lying hotspots or so to hide in it's a very luscious, like, jungle, tropical area that he's hiking through. All of a sudden, freezes, just, like, curls up, and then unravels itself at the end, like, morning glories. Yes, Monica, because this is, like, a day after tomorrow type <sighs> situation, where we have destroyed the planet, and climate change has wreaked havoc on planet Earth, okay? So there will be massive fluctuations in temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it's all our fault, Monica. That's what we did to the planet. Right. 
So all the other creatures and the plants all survive this, especially like these <laughs> tropical plants that, yes. you know, in Florida, we freak out. It's an, it's like a state emergency when we drop down below 50 because otherwise the nation's orange juice, uh, it's not going to be provided. All right. So I'm kind of like, really? <laughs> it freezes over? <laughs> we ain't going to have strawberries this season, guys. <laughs> Again, Monica, I'm not saying that this takes place in any universe that we are familiar with <laughs> or that these physics or this science is remotely realistic at all. I'm just saying once they they give me the basic premise of this is Earth in the future, it's crazy now, the climate's weird, there are strange predators and monsters. I still love how every creature is out there to kill humans. Without any humans there. I agree with you. That is a silly line that should have been removed from the film because... <laughs> Lulz. <laughs> you cannot evolve to kill humans if there are no humans around yeah. to, to kill. So if they had just said, hey, this is the wilderness and a completely uninhabited planet, and yeah, it's Earth, and, and things will kill you, I would have been okay with that. You're right. They didn't need to say, they've evolved to kill humans. Yeah. Just say, they've evolved to kill anything they do not know <laughs> and understand. Yeah. I, I'm almost going to say, I'm going to put this on the level of Prometheus. Um, who thought of this? Should have we talked about this and worked this out? Because some of the jumps here, like, again, so... These creatures evolved to kill humans with no humans on the planet. I have another one. So if we have all this advanced technology where we could just, you know, have what looks like little jelly things for inhalers and things like that. We have all this advanced technology, but at the very beginning, there's no wheelchair for this poor guy to stand up. <laughs> I felt really bad. Oh, man. The thing, okay, again, you're going back to the first 20 minutes, which I, I will agree I with you. That is awful. what I just saw. <laughs> okay. Not even a prosthetic, nothing? No, no hollow leg? So they bring out the guy from Homeland. Yes. Who is crippled. And I cannot remember the actor's name, unfortunately, to salute Will Smith. And then, of course, they have to have that cheesy moment where Will Smith salutes his son at the end as, like, a callback. And that was just so cheesy. Like, I'm willing to go with a little bit of the heavy-handedness here, but the, the, the very end of this film and the first 20 minutes of this movie are terrible. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, Monica. There's no defense okay. <laughs> for it. I'm not even going to try to defend Thank that. God. But, 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 get, but getting back to what you said about the technology, Monica, I can see how that would bother some people. The fact that, yes, there is all this technology which will help them in certain ways, but not others. And I agree with you. They needed at least one line in the script to explain why that is the case. We have color-changing fabric. We can give this guy a wheelchair that stands up. Or maybe not even have that scene because it was silly. I was able to just go with it, but in my mind, I was thinking, okay, would it have been so hard to throw in a line about, say, for example, hey, we destroyed Earth, so now that we're on this new planet, there are strict laws in place where we can't have any guns or advanced weaponry or anything that might lead, yeah. to, us, lead to us committing similar mistakes. 
Instead, we're going to have the Darth Maul double blade thing as our main weaponry. If we're going to kill things, even our rangers, our military, even they're going to have to learn to get used to more primitive weaponry so that we don't ultimately nuke each other. Sounds legit. <laughs> I would have been okay with a simple explanation like that. Like, hey, we don't want to repeat the same mistakes. But I agree with you. There was no explanation, and I can see how that would bother some people. As for me, I just ran. I, was, I just went with it. You know what? I didn't have an explanation, or at least I didn't catch it. Maybe you did. Why were they taking the bloodthirsty alien that smells fear with them into space? They were taking it to their other colony or whatever and it was i think it was for like a training exercise or something oh okay or something all right yeah, Sounds I, good. I, I, i'll put that on the paperwork or something <laughs> again the setup for this movie's terrible but yeah they were on their way to some other colony and it was just the rangers mainly on the ship so the impression i got was it was for some, like, training thing, and he was going to take his son along, and they were going to bond. It, it worked out really well. Okay, and also the whole crash sequence, <laughs> where they're just spouting science jargon. Oh, the graviton is malfunctioning, and the mass is expanding. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Every physics professor in the audience ever just like, this movie. <laughs> and they're like, oh, th there's an asteroid storm, but it's 2,000 kilometers away. And then suddenly it's right there. Yeah. And I was like, how fast are you going? <laughs> like, what? Warm what hole. Is Not warp speed, wormhole. <laughs> what is happening? They've gone to plaid. <laughs> I'm telling you, Monica, I'm, I'm with you in regards to everything before they actually crash land is God damn terrible. it, will you not give me anything because that was awful? <laughs> also, <laughs> it was awful. Also, if space travel is still so perilous to where a freak riptide could show up and tear your spacecraft apart. Is that what it was? A, a, a space riptide? Uh, I'm going to just say it because it looked like that. I'm going to call it that. Okay. Okay. Because that's the closest thing I could come up with. <laughs> it's just one of those big tides where you're like, oh no, get to the shore. Uh, you know, get out of the water. It's going to yeah. take you out to sea. But no, if it's so perilous, apparently, where that can just pop up at any time because of random asteroid belts, uh, maybe you shouldn't take your son to work day. Especially if he's not all the way certified. But Monica, it's a one in a million chance. <sighs> That the mass would expand. Because it's also the last mission this man's going to run, right, Cypher? That's what yes. he says, this is my last time, and then I'm retiring. For real. Yes. Okay, well, let's talk about what happens when they actually crash land on Earth. Because that is where, somehow, the movie won me over, despite itself. I, I don't know how it did it, but somehow it did. Even though there are moments where, like... Okay, there's that key scene where Jaden is about to do his little sky jump or whatever off the cliff, and he just, like, randomly starts yelling at his dad about the death of his sister out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it's like the writers were like, huh, we need to find a way to work in this little character arc about him coming to grips with the death of his sister. Uh, where can we put this little confrontation? Uh, I don't know. On the edge of a cliff. Put it here before the sky jump. It'll be more dramatic. And I was just like, why? This is exactly when teenage boys would rage about 
their daddy issues right before jumping off a cliff. Like the transition from... There was no transition. <laughs> yeah, there there wasn't. It just suddenly jumps from, you're out of breathers, this is terrible, to, oh, I'm so angry at you, and you're angry at me. You abandon your boy. <laughs> yeah. Again, terrible writing, yet somehow that scene still works for me. Maybe it's just because I thought the cliff jump was kind of cool. Maybe it's because you wish you could go with your dad on a camping trip that goes horribly wrong. And every creature in the wood wants to eat you. I'll show him. (laughs) I'll show him that I have what it takes. You're a real man. (laughs) Yeah. Did any of the stuff on Earth work for you? Like the baboons? Again, it was okay. How about that shot of the dead baboon carcasses that last, like, a little too long and got awkward? That is the one moment in the film that I would say, okay, don't even. <laughs> might be a little too graphic for kids. Mm-hmm. That is the one moment where I was like, yeah, that's kind of gross. But other than that, I thought things were fairly tame. Okay. Is that just me? Is it because I don't have kids? You know what? My friend did point this out because I was awing at the 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 whole baby bird scene where these weird tiger creatures came and killed them all. Yeah, and the, and the little baby birds chewing on his ear, and, and everybody in my audience laughed, and it was a cute moment. Moment, and then they killed them all. And then my friend leaned over, and he's like, "You know, it's a bad movie when you care more about <laughs> baby <laughs> birds than the main character." <laughs> It turned out to be true. So when that mother bird then comes back and shelters Jaden Smith's character, Katai, from the freezing cold, it was so manipulative. It was so cheap. It's the parental sacrifice he never had. (laughs) Again, Monica, somehow during that scene, my brain was thinking, this is so cheesy. (sighs) But somehow, in my heart, I was like, but I like it anyway. <laughs> it's a, a nice moment. That's broken. <laughs> this is what it's about, Monica. If we are nice to the other creatures on Earth, and we help the creatures on Earth around us, then they will help us in return, okay? Parents are not supposed to pursue their careers because then they abandon their children. Only when they sacrifice themselves do their children appreciate them. End scene. <laughs> no. No. Uh, I mean, Jaden appreciated that big bird. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because it, it sacrificed itself. He had a lot of daddy issues up until afterwards. I mean, the bird basically adopted him as the last of, of yes. her little chicks. And it was adorable. Yes. And that's what I'm saying is that he only appreciates... The parental sacrifice of actually laying down the life other than (laughs) his dad who pursued his crazy career was like captain of all space rangers. You're saying he's a demanding child. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying I think the moral of the story is a little questionable. It's about family. Okay. What do you have against family, Uh, Monica? <laughs> There's a lot of problematic issues with family. Also, the focus is on the I mean the father and the son relationship. What's up with the mom? Like she's just okay, bye sweetie, have fun. If we're going to talk about family, let's talk about the whole family. She got left out. How she feel about losing her daughter? That's sad. We never find out what she's feeling. 
It's just about those two boys. Yes, because is. they feel guilty, okay? Because Jaden was stuck in his little bubble, and Will Smith was off saving the world, and they did not help, okay? So and they feel guilty. Where was she? Where's the mom? She was at her other job doing whatever she does that they, they mentioned. I'm sure she had feelings about this. We just never hear about it. Because women feelings are not important. Are you kidding? Are you saying you wanted another scene of, like, the weepy mother? Oh, my daughter. Well, I was going on the angle of, if we're going to talk about family, let's talk about the whole family. Monica, you should be happy. She, this the, the woman here, the female character, is the strongest one in the bunch. She's the most put together. She's the most <laughs> stable here. Because we see her for three lines of dialogue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we leave her on another planet. Is that really strong? Because <laughs> I really, that was one note. That's what we call that. Okay, I'm with you to a certain degree, Monica. The characters in this movie are fairly two-dimensional. I mean, Will Smith basically spends most of the movie in a chair, doing nothing. Uh, have you read that interview yet that he, he and Jaden did with uh, Vulture? No. Is this the one where they talk about patterns? Because I kept hearing about that interview. Yes, it was a very epic interview. I do recommend it, uh, putting it in the show notes, where they okay. do talk about patterns, and they talk about the like the story idea for this. It's all a big metaphor for Will Smith letting Jaden do what he wants in a very dangerous world, and he's just got to sit back and let his boy be him. Let him do him. That's so meta. It's so meta. Even though Will Smith didn't have a lot to do, it still kind of worked for me, because you get to see the little gross shots of him putting the tubes in his leg <sighs> and trying to, to fix his arterial tear yeah. or whatever. Arterial shunt. <laughs> yes. And that was still kind of interesting to me. I was like, ooh, that's gross. That's kind of cool looking. But I, I agree with you that there, there isn't a whole lot of character depth here. If we're going to talk about real quick characters, how about that accent? Oh, don't let's not even go there. I don't know what was up with that accent. <laughs> Who did and that? like the thing the thing is Jaden, there are certain scenes in this movie where I was like, "Okay, Jaden, you're you're okay. You're not terrible. You're not irritating me." And then there were other scenes where I was like, "Jaden, what are you doing? This is awful. Stop it." <laughs> That beginning part where Will Smith is screaming, listen to me! And he's <laughs> doing the exact opposite of listening to him. Yes. Oh, man. Take a knee! There are parts in this movie that that where the acting is just terrible. Ooh, I have one. I have one. How about telepathy? Because that was really cool. Where he he kept saying, "Take." when the communicator was broken, and Will Smith would just say, take a knee, and Jaden took a knee. It's because he's learning, Monica. He's trying to get him to think, you have to go higher. You have to get to where the signal can break the ionic sphere, which, by the way, was shown by shimmering above Jaden's head, just magically in the uh, screen or so. So we also knew what an ionic sphere is. Also, ionic sphere you shouldn't be able to see, but that's okay. I also don't understand how going up the volcano is going to make it easier to communicate. Like, wouldn't there be more smoke and debris and things Actually, that appear with the signal? Actually, it's a callback to that signs scene where the little boy has the uh, walkie or so and then he goes up on top of the car to get a big, better signal <laughs> oh is that so what he's gonna go on top of the volcano to get a better signal wow okay. also i did like when he posed with the signal it was very reminiscent of tron the original tron poster Light. yes <laughs> <laughs> this movie was awful monica he's not telepathic but he's learning he just okay happened to say it or he happened to do it right after cypher said it 
He's on his own. He do- can't communicate with his father anymore, and he's forced to survive. So he learns, okay? Use the force, young Padawan. I was willing to go with it. Nope. But let, let, <laughs> let's talk about the main theme of this movie, right, which is finally. fear. And I feel like, in many ways, the problems that this movie has, it has because they came up with this theme of fear first. I think the filmmakers had fear that this was not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but no, I, I think they took this theme about overcoming your fear and they just wrapped a movie around it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the world building isn't quite as thought out as it should be. Because they need, they, like, their essential idea was okay, it's a story about fear and about how fear is a choice. So I feel like probably one of the first ideas was if you don't have fear, you're invisible from the threat and from the enemy and as to how that is the case and how that works and why there would be blind alien monsters that can sense fear that was secondary to just that theme itself and maybe it's just because i'm just happy whenever i see elements of a coherent theme in a film that I'm willing to let some of the world building slide. I was just like, okay, yeah, this theme has been done before. Yeah, it's a little bit heavy-handed. But you know what? At least you're trying to say something, which is more than a lot of movies. I mean, it was a short jump to the Star Wars. And fear leads to hate. <laughs> <laughs> no, fear leads to anger, Monica. Anger leads it's to hate. hate. That's what it and is. And hate leads... Hate leads to suffering. Okay, get it right. Sorry, my V. But you know, I'm just, I'm so angry at this movie. I can't even get a Star Wars reference right. That whole fear thing was faker than Velveeta. Well, some people have said that it's a Scientology movie and it's about the self and overcoming your impurity. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. I took it just as another film in a post 9 11 era dealing with fear and enemies and how do we weren't we just saying how sick and tired we were of everything having to deal with the post 9-11 deal ordeal we're terribly dating our movies to the point where in a generation no one's gonna watch this anymore because it's just gonna be e. and again i don't think that it's done in a particularly nuanced way but yeah this is another movie about how maybe the things we're afraid of they're dangerous but we don't need to be afraid of them and we'd actually be a lot better off if we did not let our fear betray us and and allow us to be manipulated uh i think there's a bit of a difference between manipulation and being genuinely afraid of a huge monster that could you know tear you limb from limb but it's a blind monster monica it's only gonna attack you if you're afraid you could say that about sharks i'm still afraid of sharks Well, maybe you shouldn't be, Monica, okay? They smell my fear. (laughs) Those sharks, those terrorists, whatever you want to put in in the place of the Ursa monster here. Which is a horrible name. You don't need to be afraid, Monica. I was okay with, with that being the arc of the film, but it sounds like you were not. I was not. Okay, that's fine. I will say this, Monica, and this is probably going to make you really, really angry. Am I going to punch my laptop? You you are. This is a movie, again, about Earth in a post-apocalyptic age where Earth's been destroyed by nuclear bombs and climate change. And, uh, again, I do not want to compare these two movies, Monica, because the one I'm about to say is much better than this one. (laughs) 
I got a Beast of the Southern Wild vibe. (laughs) In the sense that this is a movie about the older generation preparing the younger generation for what it has to face. And and saying, you know what? Our generation screwed up. We destroyed our planet. We've got all this new stuff we have to deal with. And now it is our responsibility to help you grow up and learn how to deal with it. Did you cite that because the lead actors were black? Maybe. Maybe that's why that connection was in my mind. I don't know. Unless there's some sort of a weird survivalist, like, handing off thing sort of going on. Um, except that the director for Beasts of the Wild was white and M. Night Shyamalan is Indian. I don't know. But yeah, something about the just the themes of climate change and this generational conflict did remind me of Beasts of the Southern Wild. Uh, and Beasts of the Southern Wild is a much better movie than After Earth. At least. <laughs> You'll give me that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I, but I still kind of like that element of After Earth where it's, you know, Will trying to pass on his knowledge to Jaden and help him learn, okay, this is the way the world is now and you don't need to be afraid and you just need to, you need to learn how to deal with it. Yeah, again, it came from that concept idea of now Will Smith is going to pass the torch on to Jaden to be the next Big Willie style. So he's got to do Hitch right. Do you think that's what their plan is? Is for Jaden to become the next Will Smith? It sounds like they're working towards that. Jaden seems to want a big career in acting, so he's, you know, he did that Karate Kid movie. And- well, yeah, but, but uh, you can have a career in acting without being Will Smith. I don't know. I did see the two of them adorably rapping together on the Graham Norton show, so... I mean, the thing about Will Smith is he is the most bankable actor in Hollywood. Yeah. And he's one of the few black actors that can headline a movie and attract everybody Mm -hmm. to that movie. Ooh, that should be interesting to watch how this plays out then, because the movie is awful. (laughs) (laughs) People still bought tickets to Wild Wild West, and no flags were raised in that trailer that maybe gave people second thought. They still still went to it. It was still a flop, but I think the same thing's going to happen with After Earth. Well, to to a certain extent, I mean, while, while we're on this topic... It is because there are so few really solid roles for people of color in Hollywood. And I think there's also an issue with casting because the confidence isn't even there for just a nondescript, quote-unquote, normal role for someone of color to just step into. Right. You know, Lucy Liu just came out with this big post. Uh, she gave an interview that she she said she's in her 40s, and in the 22 years or so that she's been in acting, she's never been able to be cast in a rom-com role, in a romantic comedy, because the casting directors don't see her in that. And that's terrible. Right. She wants to do these films, and no one's going to give her that chance. Right. I mean, there's still a lot of institutional racism in Hollywood. And so you ask yourself, why do Tyler Perry movies movies make so much money well it's because that's like the only black filmmaker out there making movies on a regular basis for an african-american audience you take what you can get Mm -hmm. you know i again i i mean getting back to will smith i don't know if Jaden has the talent and the charisma yet to fill his father's shoes yeah, I mean, when did his dad break out on the scene? He was still relatively young, but I think he was already in his 20s, 
right? For right. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Right. Yeah. Now this kid's only, what, in 17 or so? 15? Something? Right. His voice just broke, for Christ's sake. And we're already asking if he's got enough charisma, you know, to be able to hype a stage, to be able to hold a big screen, to bring in viewers on a weekly basis. Like, that's that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that was another problem with this film. His voice cracked several times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, whoa, wait the, a second. When the Harry Finished Potter puberty. boy, when the Daniel Radcliffe and um, Rupert Grint's voice cracked in the Harry Potter series, and they changed during the third movie. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that awkward moment. So, I mean, a lot of people are bashing Jaden's performance in the film. I don't think it's terrible. I think it is terrible in certain scenes, largely because of the script and how it's shot and that <laughs> accent, you know. So I, th- I, th- I don't want to say he's a-, a terrible actor. I think it's still too soon. I, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's too soon. I think he needs some some time to to grow and then keep learning. And hell, he might need a project again, another maybe another Karate Kid where he doesn't have his dad there, and he's got to live up to that. Give him a moment to shine. I mean, granted. Will Smith's performance is uh, very restrained in this one. He, again, he's mostly confined to a chair, but it's still like a lot of the hammy emotions and big eyes, you know. Right. It's just hard to kind of take with a straight face. <laughs> the movie was much more formulaic and standard than I was expecting. You want me to? You want to know what I was expecting to happen what? at the end? What? That I personally think would have been better. I was expecting the Ursa to show up outside the shuttle where Will Smith was. Ah. Uh. And then it would be revealed, oh, Will Smith this whole time has been afraid for his son. And that love that he has for his son caused him to be afraid, which drew the Ursa to him. And it was going to be this big moving scene where the son realized that his dad really did love him that's kind of adorable also it would have required that will smith die in a movie that he was a hero in which i kind of guess happened in i am legend well i'm sure they could have worked it out where Jaden could have shown up at the last minute to to save him and it would have been a nice moment like look dad i i saved I you, you and too. yeah i'm sure they could have worked it worked, worked that in there yeah but it doesn't it doesn't make it doesn't make for a cinematically tense moment like a battle on the edges of mordor I guess so, yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it adds a little bit more character development, but who needs that? Yeah. So, so yeah, I will acknowledge that it's a pretty standard movie. The characters aren't great. But overall, for some reason, I didn't hate it, and it won me over, and I don't know if it's just because M. Night Shyamalan works better when he's just filming action or, or what it is, but somehow... He actually managed to pull me out of my funk in the first 20 minutes and get me to to engage with the movie. So I, I got to give him credit for that. I, I do not think this is a terrible movie. And I think that M. Night Shyamalan is still a very talented filmmaker. Okay. I'll, I'll give. I mean, I'll give him another try. I'm not gonna count him out yet because I still liked some of his films, and it's just sad to keep going to these and asking what. I'm wondering if that first third of the movie was directed by like his assistant director or something because it's like just out of like left field. <laughs> yeah, it does <laughs> feel so not, different. It's not even close to what the second and third halves are. And again, it's largely just an exposition issue of how do we set this story in motion. It's exposition, it's filming, it's editing, it's everything. 
there's everything yeah. is wrong with this. Yeah, it's just a giant mess. I feel like they came into this movie with that central idea of father and son overcoming fear on post-apocalyptic Earth. And then they wrapped everything around that and launching into that proved to be problematic. Mm. I, I mean, I do not think the idea of ghosting is a terrible idea, but in that opening voiceover, the way Jaden describes it, I was just like, oh, you have got to be kidding me. This is the dumbest thing ever. Hey, at least I didn't make you watch the thing over three. <laughs> I mean, it is not, again, these ideas are not bad. It's just the way that they execute them and they set them up in the first 20 minutes is, is so terrible. It's bad. All right. Anything else you want to say about after Earth. Nope. I am at peace. I have said my say. All right. Well, let's move on to the final segment of our show, Reboot This. Because Hollywood likes to turn everything into a franchise nowadays. They want to milk it for all it's worth. We created this segment, Reboot This, where we pitch either a prequel, sequel, or a remake to the film that we just discussed. This week, we are doing that with After Earth. Monica, according to IMDb, there's already an After Earth 2 that no. has been announced. Oh my god. <laughs> Why? So I have to ask you, Monica, if you were put in charge, if the studio gave you millions of dollars and said we want you to handle the After Earth franchise, would you make a prequel, sequel, or a remake? And, and, and how, how would you – what would be involved? Well, the prequel seems pretty ruined because they flashback everything. You mean the death of the sister and everything? Yeah, yeah. It's shown so many times. It is shown a lot. It is shown oh, oh, an excessive okay. amount of times. One brief thing I forgot to mention. Oh, okay. There's that thing and there's that scene on the river where Jaden's like unconscious and he has the vision of his sister. Yes. And in the background, it looks like there are boats uh -huh. or other rudimentary boats in the background, like other people are there. Mm -hmm. And at first I was very confused and I was like, oh my God, what if this is the twist that actually... They think they're after Earth, but really they're before Earth, and the storm made them go back in time, <laughs> and there are some, like, primitive humans <laughs> on Earth with them. Oh my god. <laughs> you clearly had much more fun thinking up what was going on in this film than the actual film itself. I think that yes. was how you like it so much because it just lets you, ooh, I wonder if they did this. I wonder if they <laughs> fell into a parallel universe. And then they didn't, but I was still satisfied <laughs> because I got to think about it. Oh, man. Well, then going with our segment, I think for the sequel, I think it should be on their new home turf. If we're going to make this a terrorist allegory or so, they're going to battle the Ursas on their home turf. And I think Mommy should get in on the action so they can just deal with all their family issues all at once. Okay. Because, come on, fire and cipher rage needs to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Actual rage. <laughs> the rage family. <laughs> Maybe Jaden can die, and then the parents, yeah, they just go into a rage. <laughs> okay, so, but you're saying, so this would take place on the, the new Earth, like Terra yeah. Nova or Nova Prime or whatever it's called? <laughs> Nova 2.0. <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember. It's some really standard generic sci-fi name. Although the architecture was cool, so I had a lot of fun seeing that. 
So I don't know, maybe if we're going to keep up with this post 9-11 exploring stuff or whatever, our American psyche, <laughs> let's just put it on our home turf and let's duke it out. So you're saying that the Ursa are going to start like organizing or... They've been populating in the underground of the city and have just been taking people off the streets and then finally they decide to invade. Okay, so there's like this organized pack of Ursus just approaching yes. the capital like mice, or something. Like actual rats. And okay. then they pour over and it's a pest control problem. Okay. And because only a few people know how to ghost, it's a big problem. It's a big gotcha. problem. Yeah, so only a few people have the right kind of rat poison. <laughs> okay. Or you could turn it into this like dystopian thing where the government on New Earth is starting to become really oppressive and people are always afraid. And mm, as a result, that draws the enemy to them. That draws the Ursa to the, to the city. We got it. We got this. <laughs> You're covering multiple enemies and multiple themes yep. with one stroke here. Okay, mm -hmm. that could work. That's some serious commentary there, so... Yeah. There we go. I like it. Throw it up the chain after Earth 2. The fight for Nova Prime or whatever it's called. Yeah, I like that it's after Earth 2. After Earth 2, the fight for after Earth or whatever the name of the, the new, new Earth is called. That should just be the name of the planet. After Earth. Hey, welcome to After Earth. Earth Beta. <laughs> I like it. If I had to do a prequel, sequel, or a remake, I think I would do a prequel about... Will Smith's character, Cypher, as he and the other colonists are escaping Earth, and they have to deal with the guilt and the knowledge that their generation destroyed the planet for the younger generation. I guess that doesn't make sense, though, because supposedly he's alive a thousand years after yeah, Earth or whatever. Yeah, no. Okay, whatever. Either that or he's a time lord now. They they don't age. They but in this future they everyone lives to be a thousand years old. Yeah. Okay. Because of science. So whatever. <laughs> but they so can't he's... get a good wheelchair. <laughs> what kind of science is this? This is a prequel that's gonna make a lot more There's sense. There's better prosthesis being developed at MIT right now than they had in the movie. Like this is bull. Although the smart fat it was fun because my friend was like, oh, that smart fabric's weird. And I'm like, oh, they're working on that over at MIT. <laughs> okay, fine. Forget that. So whatever. It's, it's Will Smith. Forget the whole thing about him escaping Earth. But it is a prequel. It's set like, whatever, 20, 30 years before After Earth. And he is about him training to become a ranger and learning how to ghost and figuring out how to fight Ursa and overcoming his own fear. It'll be a similar story about him having to survive, okay? But he's not going to be on Forget this Katai Earth. kid, all right? That comes later. Forget this Katai kid. It's going to be about Will Smith, because he's got all the charisma, okay? It's going to be about... <laughs> <Dang>. it... <laughs> Throw Jaden from the train. <laughs> Jaden, your time will come, but it's not here yet, okay? So it's about Will Smith, and he has to survive either on this remote area of New Earth, or he's away on another planet on a training mission. So actually, I was going to say, or he has this sister that no one knows about, and she comes in, and it can be played by Willow. There you go. Done. <laughs> That'll work. Got it. <laughs> and so it's about, it's his survival story, and him learning to overcome his fear. Oh, I thought he had no fear, ever. 
he did at one point. This will be about him learning to overcome it. So it's sort of a prequel and sort of a remake. Let's do some of the same stuff, but better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. You don't sound confident in that idea. Same thing, but better. Uh, sure. <laughs> Can we fix a lot? Can we have a lot of yeah. time to fix this? Yes, and there will be no opening voiceover. Ah, oh, good. It just it makes me realize how good that opening was for something like Star Wars, where it just set up the scene in text, scrolling back, and then cut to we're here, we're done, we're let's let's start. Yeah, what? Action. Why, why do they not do the text intros anymore? Like you go back to like Blade Runner and stuff, like yeah. all these great sci-fi movies open with the text, just the little title card setting things up, and then you go. And is it is it that do they do they think modern audiences don't want to read? That'd be terrible. For five seconds? Like, what is the deal? Why am I having to sit through these awful voiceovers when you could just give me a little title? I don't know. It's a good question. Because I, I was oh. about to say, well, for international audiences, but the same thing. You just translate it, put it up. Yeah. Google Translate. <laughs> Why not? I never see... I. When was the last time you saw a title card before a movie? Just, uh, like, I think it's only up? been foreign films. I mean, there was the little thing before that awful Total Recall remake where they, like, set things up, like, Oh, the good, years, because I totally whatever. don't recall. <laughs> That's the last one I can remember. <laughs> In that situation, it's because the movie was terrible. Okay. <laughs> and they needed to explain some things. <laughs> uh, that's the last time I can remember that being used. Yeah. I think maybe people have just left it because it's so ingrained. But the, oh, but the Star Wars... But really, Hollywood, just learn how to convey information better, okay? Voiceovers suck. <laughs> Don't do voiceover. Just give us a title card or show us. Yeah. Rather than telling us. Show don't tell. Yeah. All right. Okay, that'll wrap it up for part two of our discussion of After Earth here on Cinema Fix. Don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing The Purge. We would love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me on both Twitter and Tumblr at mcastymovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. They can also find my work reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at bofca.com. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message. Let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema. And fear. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!